Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. I'm so, so grateful for what he's done, for all that uh, he has done in my life and in the life of uh, this church, in the life of so many that have experienced his grace, and I'm reminded that if we have experienced his grace, that it came to us on its way to somebody else as we proclaim the good news of what he has done in our life. I'm reminded that we have a story to tell, that we have a message to share, and that We can no longer be content to simply gather as the body of Christ and to to simply sing songs and and then leave and be silent throughout our weeks. Uh, That God has called us to be on mission for the glory of his name. We have been saved and sent into this world uh, with a message. I want to invite you uh, this morning uh, to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, uh, and, and we're going to uh, read beginning in verse 19. And, and there's some familiar verses that we're going to read and uh, some things that, in words maybe that we even hear in our time, but I want us to be challenged this morning uh, by the words of Christ and, and, and by the words that he might speak to some of us where, uh, where we would hear the very call of Christ to come and follow him. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 19, and if you'll stand with me in honor uh, of the reading of the Word of God. Scripture uh, begins in uh, verse 19 with these words, and you'll see these on the screen as well. Uh, and Jesus said these words, he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, Lord, we come this morning humble. God, we come this morning with... God, hearts of gratitude for all that you have done. Lord, I'm reminded as you called these, these first disciples to, uh, to join you on mission, Lord, and to, uh, to do life with you. God, they, they didn't have the gift of being able to know all that you accomplished, Lord. They, they had not seen the cross in those moments, Lord. They had not uh, uh, encountered the risen Christ, Lord. But they were willing to leave everything and to follow you. And Lord, in light of all that you have done in my life, Lord, in light of all that you have done in the lives of these brothers and sisters that are gathered with me this morning, God, I pray that this morning we could have a fresh encounter with you. God, I pray that in the the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you might, uh, God, that you might say those words to us, follow me, Lord, and that we might leave, God, with with a passion, God, to share all that you have done with all that we know, and may all glory be to you alone. In Jesus' name, 
Uh, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, we, we hear those words, follow me. And in our culture, uh, when we think of those words and we think of those times, they, uh, they mean different things to us than, than what these uh, early disciples would have heard. You know, we hear the word, follow me, and some of us think of a Twitter feed, right? Some of us think of, uh, of these people that are tweeting, and somehow we're following them, and we can read their updates, and many of us may scroll uh, through those kind of things, and, and maybe there's people that we follow that we, uh, that, that we are influenced by or that we enjoy uh, reading their updates. Maybe some of you uh, have uh, Facebook friends, and there's uh, these people that maybe you have followed or that you have accepted their friend request, right? They want to follow you. And, and then some of us, we have these people that we uh, are friends with on social media. Maybe we uh, have uh, encountered uh, them in, in some place and we get that friend request and we look at them and we're like, do I know you? And then we're like, well, I know a bunch of people that know you. So maybe it's okay. And we accept that friend request. Maybe, maybe like our mom is on Facebook. I remember when, when I was young and Facebook was cool and, uh, and all of a sudden, like then our parents were on Facebook and it, and it wasn't as cool anymore, right? And your mom might, might give you a friend request and you, and you're like, what do I do? She's my mom, right? And so, and so you accept that request and then, and then what's crazy is like a few weeks later, you get another request from somebody that looks like your mom. Right, and y'all seen that, right? You you have those requests, and all of a sudden there's somebody, and they want to follow you, and you're not paying much attention, and maybe you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll accept that friend request. I know that that's my that's my mom. Maybe she got a new Facebook page, and then the next thing they send you a message, and they're like, hey, I need some help. How are you? Right, immediately, and, and we and we interact in some of those places, and they're like, if you could just send an Apple gift card, uh, I'm in a real bind, right? And I need some of those things, and so. Sometimes we hear that word follow and we think of things like that. We think of this social media. We think of things uh, along those lines. Yesterday I was checking out in a grocery store and this lady uh, was checking out there, was checking us out. She was the cashier that was there and uh, one of her friends, I guess, her coworkers came up to her and she was really excited and she just beamed with this, this gladness and she said, did you see my Instagram story today? And the lady looked and she was like, yeah, I saw it. It was awesome. And, and we, we have these kind of interactions. But I want you to know when Jesus called his disciples and when he calls us to follow him, it means so much more. And Jesus would give this invitation that we would read in Matthew 419. And, and some would say more uh, than just an invitation. It was a command. It was this imperative that Jesus said, follow me. Now, I want you to think about these men, and we've read that they were willing to leave their jobs, that they were willing uh, to leave their family, that they were willing to do all of these things for the cause of Christ and for this man who would call them to follow him. Now, who were they following? You know, I was uh, looking at a picture this week, and we were talking about it kind of inner staff, and I looked at uh, a picture, and it had Jesus. It was a picture of Jesus, a painting of Jesus coming out of the tomb, and, and he had blue eyes, and he was whiter than I am, and he, he was uh, not the most masculine fellow that, uh, in this picture, right, in this depiction. And so many times, right, we're, we're portraying a Christ that, is, uh, that, that somehow is in desperate need of us to come 
come and follow him so that we can somehow bring something that would accomplish his mission. But I want you to know that when these men uh, saw Jesus, that they recognized that this man was the man that the wise men had come and bowed before. That this man, as John the Baptist was preaching and preparing the way for Jesus, that John the Baptist would preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he would gaze out and he would look. And when he saw Jesus, he looked at him and he said, behold, right there, behold the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. It was the man that when, when, when John the Baptist and, and when Jesus uh, asked him to baptize him, when, when those moments were encountered, John the Baptist would look at him and he said, it is, uh, you are, uh, he said, I'm not even worthy uh, to tie the sandals of this man. He says, I, uh, John was preparing the way and he'd say, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me is so much greater and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we would see this call and, and this proclamation of this, this Messiah that the, the Old Testament prophets had been looking for, that they had been proclaiming would come one day and he would deliver Israel. It would be Israel's Messiah. And all of a sudden, here they are in those moments. And this was not the first time that they had seen Jesus. This was not the first time that they had encountered uh, who he was. But, but we read here that Jesus would call them and, and that he would speak to them and he would say, follow me. Now, they didn't have all the answers, right? We, we recognize as we have the scriptures and as we uh, understand that, that Jesus came and that he lived a sinless life, right? That, that, that he stretched his arms out on Calvary's cross and that he was placed in a borrowed tomb and on the third day that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that we have a risen Savior that has conquered death. The one uh, that, that, that Martha would look at. You know, we talked about Mary and Martha last week and we get on her sometimes, but she uh, was the one that made this confession of Jesus and said, Jesus, I know who you are. You are the resurrection. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I've conquered all of these things and I've come on a mission to proclaim the kingdom of God and to invite you in to these moments. And so they don't have all the answers, but they are willing to respond to the call. They don't know where they're going. Aren't you glad that we don't always know everything that God has for us and all the places that he wants to send us and how he wants to use us? They didn't know everything about what he was calling them to, but they knew that he was going to be with them. And I want to remind you this morning that when Jesus says, follow me, this call to follow Christ, it is a call to surrender. It is a call to surrender. That's what we see in this passage. And by the way, this is a call initiated by Jesus. Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, follow me. And they respond in surrender. They respond to this call. Now, other rabbis would, uh, would do things differently, right? They would take applications, right? They would, uh, people would come and they'd say, hey, I want to be uh, uh, one of your disciples. I want to sit under your feet. I want to do these kind of things. And they would evaluate, uh, okay, this person's got this good resume and this person uh, can do this and this person's very religious and this person's here. Jesus had a whole different plan, right? And he, he picked a bunch of nobodies, right? And this is, I'm so thankful to know that Jesus doesn't look at us and doesn't say, hey, you know what? You're gonna have to have all these requirements. You're gonna have to do all these things. Jesus says, I'm gonna take a bunch of nobodies. I'm gonna fill them with somebody and I'm gonna change the world for the glory of my name. And Jesus could have done a lot of different things. I remember when I first uh, went to work, I turned 16 years old. I'd been working at the Big D gas station for a little while and my mom suggested, she said, 
hey, have you ever thought about Lowe's? Maybe Lowe's would be a good place to work. And so I'm 16 years old. I go down to Lowe's and I walk in. I go to the customer service desk up there and I see uh, a lady there. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'd, I'd like to see about maybe applying for a job. Are y'all hiring? And she's like, hey, let me do some checking. She calls to the back. There's a guy named Tim Wolf uh, that was one of the managers there, and he was there on duty, super guy. And uh, I, I, he says, hey, send him on back. And so I go back, and I'm thinking, you know, this will be cool. I'll get to talk to this guy for a minute, and I walk back in there. It looks like they got a haze machine in there. There's smoke everywhere. He, he's, smoke, he's got a cigarette that has uh, been going for a while, and I think he's been maybe chain smoking because the whole office is filled with smoke. I walk in, and I'm thinking, well, this is interesting, you know. And, and I come in, and Tim looks at me, and he he says, so you're looking for a job? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. And he asked me one question. He said, what do you think we should do uh, if somebody was to steal from the company? And I said, well, you fire them, call the police. I mean, all the things. He said, great, you're hired. Can you start right now? I, I didn't put in an application. I didn't do anything. He said, we'll take care of all that paperwork, but we've got work to be done. I said, I'm ready. Uh, what do you want me to do? And so he, no, like he says, okay, listen, he says, I want you to work down the garden center. He said, that's where you're going to be. And he said, there's a forklift down there. Now they make you be 18, probably because of me, um, to have <laughs> like, I don't even think they hire kids like me anymore. Right. And, but, but they said, hey, there's a forklift down in the bottom. And what I need you to do, he gave me the keys to it. He said, go down there and, and you'll figure out the little things and all that. And, and I'm like, I played video games some when I was growing up. I'll probably train for this. And so, so literally he says, I want you to take these bad goods. Now there's, there's mulch and like stacks and stacks of mulch. And, and the pallets are like this tall and, and they're stacked up. They got shrink wrap on them. He says, I want you to get that forklift right there. And he said, I want you to take all those and I want you to move them over here. I said, this is no problem. I'll have this done in a jiffy. And so I hop on the forklift. I figure out the controls in about a minute. And I think, you know what? I've got this down. I drive over, pick up my first pallet of mulch. And, and I want to be a good employee, right? And good employees are efficient. So you give the forklift a lot of gas. And what I figured out, when you turn the back end of that thing, it swings a little harder. And I throw mulch like through the whole parking lot. Like, yeah, I wasn't that proud either. And I like, like as I spun that thing and the mulch just kind of slid through everywhere. I'm thinking, I didn't put in an application. I got hired on the same day I'm going to get fired. Like without even, like I'm going to be on the payroll like five minutes, right? Picked up the mulch, worked there for like 20 something years. But I'm reminded, you know, if he had taken applications, he could have picked a bunch uh, more qualified. Somebody that probably knew how to run a forklift, probably all kind of different things about experience, all those things that were there. But I want you to understand the people that Jesus chose to change the world with were people that would not have met the requirements of the application. They would have been much more religious people. They would have been people that uh, would have been more qualified, but he chose the weak to confound the wise. And, and, and I'm so thankful that, that in these jars of clay, in these broken vessels, in those things that, that, that he, he chooses, right, to fill us with the power of his spirit and to use us for the glory of his name. Now, Jesus, he, he doesn't call the qualified, right? He qualifies the called and he calls these men and he tells them something. He said, follow me. And, and when they encounter Jesus, right, he says, follow me. And then he says, I'm going to do something in your life. He said, I'm going to transform 
your life. Now, he says, you follow me. Your response to that is surrender. Your response is to surrender to him as king, to surrender to him as Lord. And Jesus says, if you'll follow me as you're following me, I'm going to do something in your life, and I'm going to transform you. I'm going to change you, and I'm going to take you on this journey. And on this journey, you're going to be equipped to do the work of my kingdom. You're going to be just an ordinary guy that I'm going to do something extraordinary with. And these people are the ones, I'm telling you, we would have picked them last, but they responded in surrender. Look in verse 20. Uh, he says, uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, he says, immediately. Notice their obedience, right? That's, that's a characteristic of surrender. When we surrender to Christ, it, it results in obedience, right? They were obedient and, and they, they did this immediately. It said immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They didn't wait. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, I got this deal for you. You know, like I don't know a lot about all this stuff you've been talking about and, you know, you've been preaching this message about repenting and the kingdom of heaven and all these things. And so I'm going to do a little more study and I'm going to look back at the Old Testament a little more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out uh, uh, and, and talk to some other people, some other religious people. There's some really wise Pharisees that are around. I'm going to talk to them. Maybe they know some more about this and then I'll come back. Now, the scripture says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Delayed obedience. If God is calling you, listen, we need to be people that are, are led by the Spirit and that are obedient to the call of Christ, that are obedient to his voice and that engage people with the good news of the gospel. And it is immediate obedience that he desires from us. It's this call to surrender, right? He, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They abandoned what they knew for the one who had called. Look in verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Listen, this is a, a way of life. Like they're, they're mending their nets. They're repairing the holes. They're engaging in this kind of moment. And he calls them. And when he calls them, look in verse 22, immediately, look at what they did. They left the boat and their father. They left what was familiar to them. They left family. They, they left these things. Now, this wasn't a, a place we see later moments where they're fishing. This wasn't a, a time that they never engaged with their, their father again. It wasn't this thing. Like, but, but what we see in this was that the call to follow Christ took superior priority and that his authority was greater than any other authority in their life. That the, the call to follow Christ was supreme in their life and it resulted in surrender. It resulted in obedience, right? The call to follow Christ, it's a call to surrender, and it's a call to sacrifice. And I wonder, I think about the, the world that I live in, I think about the, the, the patty cake life that, that I and, and many of us may live. And, you know, we were talking a little bit as a staff this week and just about the word sacrifice and what are we really sacrificing for the cause of Christ? What am I sacrificing so that the gospel may go forth what am I willing to sacrifice when Jesus calls? But immediately, they leave their nets, they leave the boat, they leave their father. And this call, it's initiated by Jesus. They respond in surrender. The scriptures would tell us that, that this call that's initiated by Jesus and what we would see about these disciples, what we would, we would find about their lives is that it would result in their lives being transformed by Jesus. That's what he says, follow me. And did he say, follow me, and you're going to figure out how to do all these things, and you're going to... Oh, he said, follow me. And he said, I will make you 
We abide in Christ. One of the, the words that we love to use uh, so often is we abide in Christ. We abide in him. And, and as we abide in him, uh, the script, Jesus would say, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, check this out. Everybody hold your right hand up and do this. It's amazing, right? This is miraculous. This is miraculous. It's incredible. Isn't that crazy? That our hand can do that? It's awesome. And, and for that to happen, like I don't understand all the things that are going on from my mind to my arm and all those kind of things, but I know if you sever my arm right here, there's nothing going to happen. And it's going to die apart from the vine. And we abide in Christ. That's, it's, it's part of who we are. We abide in Christ in the life of the vine. The life of Christ is pressed out through the branches. He says, follow me and as you do life with me, as you abide with me, as we are in community together and we through the power of the word of God, as we abide in Christ, as we engage in his word, Jesus said, follow me and I will transform your life. I will cause you to be different I will change you. This is a call initiated by Jesus. It results in lives that are transformed by Jesus. And, and I want to give you one other little hint, right? And one other little thing that's so important in this passage. It is for the purpose of Jesus. Now, I'm so grateful that as we sing that song and I think about what God has done, that my sins have been forgiven, that, that I have been made right with a holy God, that me once who, who was far from God has been brought near uh, through the blood of Christ and that my sins have been forgiven. But Jesus didn't die on that cross just so that my sins would be forgiven. He died on that cross. He forgave me of my sins and he, and he called me on mission for the glory of his name. There was purpose in the call. There's purpose that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't take us all up to heaven to be with him immediately. If that was the end, if that was the finish line, that when we trust and we respond and surrender to the call of Christ and then we're born again into the family of God, uh, he would take us and to be in the presence of God and there we would be for eternity. But listen, he has saved us from our sin, but he has saved us for his purpose. Uh, the gospel came to us, Robbie Gallaty says, on its way to somebody else, right? And we have a purpose in the midst of this. Jesus said this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The call to follow Christ is a call to surrender. It's a call to sacrifice and it is a call to service. It is a call to join in the mission of God. We are not just saved from something, we are saved for something. And that something is to make his glory known to all the world, that we might proclaim the goodness and the greatness of who he is, that we might declare his majesty, that we might worship him with all of our lives, that we might live surrendered and sold out to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to people who would live their life different from this world. And the world would look at us and say, what in the world are those people doing? And that we would allow them to see that we have found a treasure that is greater than anything else, a treasure that is worth selling everything, a treasure that is worth giving up everything, a treasure that is so beautiful that it captivates us and it calls us uh, to live for the glory of his name. And we're called to bring glory to God through our obedience. Immediately they left their nets. Immediately they began to follow him. Now I, I want to I want to just pause for just a second. I want to, I want to give you a, a little picture of how that looks. Like a lot of times we think about, okay, we gather here as the church. And when we gather as the church, um, we come and we worship uh, 
we worship our great God. And by the way, uh, you guys are here on the day after time change. You must be the serious ones of all, right? Like you got up early. Some of you are so excited. Uh, you, you got up today and it was like a joy-filled morning because you're like, hey, you know what? The, for the first time in six months, my stereo clock in my car is going to be right. And I'm so excited about that. And some of you got up and you're like, oh, it's another six months. I don't mind that. And, and, and we, we do those kind of things, right? But I want to give you some math on a, on a, on a, on a Sunday that we lost an hour of sleep. How many, how many people are like math people in the room? Math people? All right. There's some math people. There's some math people there. Um, you know, I, it's interesting in my house. We've got kind of some math people and some not some math people. And my daughter, she's not as math. Now she does good in it and all those kind of things. But my son, it just comes naturally to him. Like, like if we're, if, if we're talking, if where there's any kind of like little math problem, we're trying to figure it up. He, he's immediately got the answer. And I'm thinking, I'm like getting out my calculator and he'll, he'll be like, you need a calculator for that? And I'm like, yeah, I need a calculator for that. And so my, my daughter's preparing for this test this past week, the, the ACT. And it was like, I don't know what day it was. It was one day last week, we're sitting at home and she says, dad, could you come help me? Now, one of the things uh, about growing older and, and looking back on time is that like I had this math and, and math passed it, but she said, can, can you help me remember how to do this? And I look at this, I'm like, there is no hope. Like even with Google and YouTube tonight, there's no chance I'm going to explain this, right? And so Grant's uh, in, in another room and, I, and, and my wife says, hey, how, how about getting your brother? Now, understand like it's seventh grade versus like junior in high school. And, and Grant comes up and he looks at it. And in just like a second, he's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm, and this and this. And he's, he's explaining all these things. And I'm like, this is crazy, right? But, but what we look at in math and a lot of times what we see in there, there's like these, these word problems. Any, any, any of you that are in school like word problems, right? Any, no, right? They're, they're awful. They're like, they're like, Jimmy got 37 apples and he gives Susie 12 apples and Susie takes those 12 apples and cuts them in half and puts them on the, on the counter. And then the little dog eats one. And, and there's all this stuff. And I'm like, and I don't even care. Like, you're never going to apply that, right? But there's those word problems that are like that. Well, here's, here's a word problem that I hope will teach you something today. Now, now this riddle, this little problem says you can have a choice today uh, between receiving $10,000 in cash every day for 30 days, right? This is going to be incredible. You get $10,000 every day for 30 days, or you can have a penny for 30 days that'll double. You can pick whichever one you want. It's going to double every day. Now, a lot of people, like, you've heard this, right? You want the penny, right? You're like, this is the penny. Now, when you're, when you're younger, Grant, what are you thinking? You thinking the penny? Are you multiplying this thing? Penny? Penny? All right, raise your hand if you're the penny, right? But here's the thing. A lot of times, if, if there's 10,000 in front of us and we can have that every day, we're like 10, 20, 30, 40, like... Like the math gets great, right? And that's how we think about math. But so, so I got my calculator and I learned a new trick this morning that if you hit equal uh, every time after it, that it'll just kind of keep following that. So you'll see that. Uh, I, I'm going along that way with a little screen recording. Now this is early in the week, right? It's doubling, day three, day four, day five. It's not looking too good for the home team. Like, like there's already 50 grand in there if I'm going the other way. But as it begins to go, there's something interesting that begins to happen. Yeah, it multiplies. And I want to encourage you today that the math that Jesus taught was kingdom math that multiplies. 
And if you see the, the kind of the end result there, there's 10 million 700,000 and change. Like once it's that big, you don't even have to worry about the details. And this is kingdom math. But kingdom math only works if we understand that all of us who have been called by Christ are being transformed by Christ. And we understand that the call to Christ is not a call. We cannot be content to come in here and sing songs about Jesus and give a little bit of money to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and believe that somehow we're fulfilling God's call on our life. And we come here and we are encouraged and we are equipped and we are sent out on mission for the glory of his name. But what we've got to understand is that every one of us has been called to be part of the work of the kingdom of God. We've been called to fulfill and surrender, right? We, we respond and we surrender to the call of Christ. We're transformed by Christ and we're on mission. We have a purpose that, that is in Christ. And what if every person, because this is how kingdom math works. What if every person saw the great commission as their responsibility? Because some of you walk in and you think, okay, the great commission, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all those things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the earth. You hear those things and you think, you know what, this is something, uh, that, isn't that what we like have uh, paid staff members for? And, it, and surely the deacons, maybe it's those kind of things. But I want you to understand that it is an everyday it is an everyday responsibility of every believer to proclaim the good news of the gospel and to share the good news of Jesus and to recognize that they're part of the multiplication that God desires to take place in the midst of this world. And so what if every person saw this as their responsibility? What if, what if even less than that, what if 10 people in this room, what if 10 people in this room said, you know what? I'm going to embrace the call to make disciples. I'm going to embrace the call to be fishers of men. I'm going to embrace the call to surrender my life to the things that really matter to give my life. See, that's the, that's the call to follow Christ. We live in a world where, uh, where many times people say, you know what, if we're to follow Christ, that somehow there's a prosperity gospel that would say, if you're following Jesus, that uh, you're never going to experience anything difficult and you're never going to have sickness and you're going to be wealthy and you're going to have all those things. But that's not what the gospel calls us to. And, and what if we embrace this call to say, you know what, I'm going to, instead of guarding my life and instead of doing everything I can uh, to preserve everything about me and to make sure that my life is filled with comfort and my life is filled with ease and, and that, that, that all of my life is about me. What if we embrace the call that Jesus would say in Matthew 16 when he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Well, what if we embraced this call that, that as a body of believers, that our responsibility was to be empowering generations, right? As followers of Jesus Christ, that we would empower generations to love God, generations to know who he is and to love people, to love one another and to live in community with one another and to go out into the world and, and to recognize that God has gifted us and that he has called us and he has placed us in different places and that we might use those places as a platform for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would be transformed by his word, that we would be sent, surrendered. Listen, we, 
we must understand that this is what God has called us to. You know, one of my favorite stories in all the scriptures uh, comes from John chapter 4. And there's a, there's a Samaritan woman that Jesus encounters. The scripture says he, he must go uh, this, this way to encounter this woman. And he, he goes and he sends the disciples. Uh, the disciples go into the city. And while he's there with this woman, they have this incredible encounter. And he t- tells her things that, uh, uh, that just blew her mind, right? That, that uh, I'm going to turn over to John chapter 4. You won't have this on your, uh, on your screen. But, but in John chapter 4, uh, we see... Uh, just this encounter, and, and Jesus begins to uh, tell her things like this, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will, will become within him a well of water springing up to eternal life, and, and, and they have this interaction. Jesus says, go get your husband. Tell him to come here. The woman says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you've, you've correctly said that because you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. So you've said that truly. And so Jesus reveals these things to her. This lady encounters uh, the, the God who loves her in the midst of her sin, who, who offers forgiveness, who offers her this, this water uh, that, that, that would never run dry. She encounters this man. And, and here's what happens. And it's such an interesting thing. Uh, she, uh, she leaves and she goes back to her city And I'm going to pick up in verse 27. Um, And Jesus has said that that the Messiah is him. He says, I am the Messiah that uh, that has been predicted, the one that you've been looking for. I am the one that they've been declaring. He says those things. And then at this point, verse 27, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman, right? They're, They're amazed he's encountering her. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot. And and the call to follow Christ requires all of us to leave something. She left her water pot. Matthew left his tax collector booth, right? There's a a call to surrender. I don't know what God's asking you to to give up. At minimum, it's a life of sin. At minimum, it's those places that we would turn from our sin and turn to him. So the woman leaves her water pot, and she went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I've done. This is... This is not the Christ, is it? Now, it's interesting. They went out of the city and they were coming to him. So here's this woman. We know her history. They know her history much better than we do. She's been, I'm sure, talked about all over town. And she encounters Christ. And she goes into her city. And when she goes into her city, she says, listen, I met this man. And And he told me everything I've ever done. He knew all those things. And y'all know how much those things are. You know all about those things. But I want you to come and see this man. I want you to come and see him. And the town comes, right? There's this picture of just these groves of people coming to see Jesus. And here's the thing I want you to see about this story. And the thing that I'm so afraid that we have become so familiar with Jesus. That we've been so familiar to being his presence those disciples they had gone into the city and they brought nobody back with them but this woman who had drunk from the same cup as Jesus and who had encountered this 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 God man that this woman goes back and she brings her whole town and I'm convinced that that 
these disciples, right, that us somehow in the midst of this, we can be close to Jesus, we can be familiar with Jesus, and we can go out into our world and say nothing about Jesus, right? The disciples who knew him best, they went into town and they talked about him the least. And the lady that had been saved just a few minutes, she goes and she shares with the whole city. And, and I just believe that our hearts need a fresh encounter with Jesus. We need to be reminded of all that he has done. And every disciple, they had a price to pay. And, and the point is not for us to try to figure out what our cost is to compare uh, to someone else's cost and all those kind of things. The point is that we would be certain that we follow Jesus no matter what the cost, no matter what it costs us, no matter what was there. These disciples, they were abandoning their comfort. They were abandoning the thing that they knew they were abandoning uh, all of, of these things, their safety. Obviously, when we follow Jesus, there's a call for us to abandon our sin. Uh, that's what repentance means. And, and if you look earlier in Matthew's gospel, in, in chapter Four, we would see in verse 17 that as Jesus begins his earthly ministry, that, that as Jesus engages there, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The core of repentance is a turning from our sin, right? We admit our sin. We're broken over our sin. We're convicted by the spirit of God over our sin. And we, we turn and we run from our sin, right? We, we, we go the other direction. And the way that we go, see the call to follow Jesus is a call that causes, that, that, that commands us, right, to repent and turn. There's this call that says we're going one direction and we turn. The word repent is metanoia in the Greek and it's this word that's a change of mind that results in a change of direction and it wasn't this picture of at one point in our life that we might repent of our sin and turn and, and there would be no change in our life to follow. It was this picture that we've been going our own way, that we've been following our own plan and that we would recognize our sin and we would recognize the master who is calling us and that he is worthy of everything in our life and that we would turn from our sin and we would begin to follow him and we would fix our eyes on him, that he is worthy of all of our lives, right? That, that, that we would, all this passage, right? And even all we see in the gospels, the core of it is this abandoning of ourselves with a call to follow Christ. It is the message of the cross. It is the message that Jesus would give. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In a world that says you do everything you can to preserve yourself, Jesus says you abandon yourself and you come and you follow me and I'll do something in your life and I'll use you for a purpose that's greater than anything you could imagine and what you feel like you're preserving yourself there is no place safer than in the perfect will of a holy God a God who is working in the midst of all things and, and, and as we walk in that we are trusting ourselves in the hands of a God who loves us of a, of a God who has called us a God who wants to use us according to his purpose and might we surrender to the call to follow him might we be a people who would lay down our very lives and say, Jesus, you are the authority in my life. Some of these, they left boats and fathers and family. And it was this picture that says there's nothing more important. There's no greater authority. I, I submit to your authority. You are master and king of my life. And my life is yours. I surrender to you. Follow me. And I'll do something incredible. He'll take a bunch of nobodies. See, see, we see the full picture. 
See, we doubt, we wonder. Could we really be used by Jesus? Could he really use me? But we, see, we know the rest of the story. In Acts 1.8, Jesus would, would tell them, he'd say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be empowered to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world, to the ends of the earth. So we don't need another another moment that that leaves us the same and that where we worship God for a few minutes and as we leave we we stay the same. We need power that comes from abiding in Christ and from the power of his spirit in our lives. It comes from surrender in our lives. It comes from a pursuit of holiness in our lives where we leave our sin and we, and we trust him as Lord.